right, away we go. Happy Friday, everybody. It's Friday, August 28th, and coming up, are you stuck in the gardener listening to us right now? Well, of course you are. It's Toronto after all, right? But why some people are now pointing to Active TO. That is the plan to make sure that residents have had enough space to enjoy the nice summer weather during the pandemic. The thought is that we all needed to get out after uh, months of isolation, particularly early on in March, uh, in April. But why some people, drivers in particular, are pointing to numerous road closures as the reason why traffic in Toronto seems worse than ever. That story is coming up. But first, the NHL, of course, postponing playoff games both yesterday and today to protest the police shooting of Jacob Blake. This after taking some major heat for taking to the ice back on Wednesday as many athletes and sports hit the pause button. Here's a Ryan Reeves of the Vegas Golden Knights addressing the media yesterday. I think if you look around this room, um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of white athletes in here, and I think that's the statement that's being made right now. Um, you know, it's great that the NBA did this and the MLB and the WNBA. You know, they have a lot of black players in those leagues, but for you know all these athletes in here to take a stand and say, you know what, we we see the problem too, and we stand behind you. You know, I go to war with these guys, and I hate their guts on the ice, but I couldn't be more proud of these guys. It's, uh, you know, the statement that they've made today is is something that's going to last. You know, these two days isn't going to isn't going to fix anything. But um, the conversation and the and the statement that's been made is very powerful, especially coming from uh, from this league. All right, Donovan Bennett is with Rogers Sportsnet, and he joins us now here on Global News Radio six forty Toronto. Donovan, appreciate the time this afternoon. Good afternoon. All right, NHL postponing games uh, yesterday. Uh, do we file this, uh, Donovan, do you think, uh, under better late than never? I mean, not really, to be honest. Like, uh, my my biggest question with the NHL, and it was late in terms of when sports were restarting and every other league had a physical demonstration and active words in terms of how they were going to use the return of sports as a platform to speak to inequality and specifically anti-black racism, they all had some tangible steps as to how. Now, we could argue uh, if those goals were attainable uh, or if resources would be better dedicated elsewhere, but at least there was an effort. The NHL returned to play in their two hub cities, and aside from putting and racism on screens and coming up with a slogan, we skate for black lives, there wasn't really a clear understanding of how are you proposing you're going to help end racism? That seems like a big task. But but more importantly, why are, are you in this cause? What change would you like to see? And one thing that we didn't see or hear were the three words, Together, Black Lives Matter. And so even now, when they've had somewhat of a mulligan to try and do this once again, all of the other sports seem to get to a place where they figured out playing right now is not paramount. And the NHL was last to that realization, but still having clearly made us understand well, why have you taken a step away to reflect? And, and, and really, what are you reflecting on? How are you going to use that reflection to create some change? And they still haven't said the words, Black Lives Matter. So for me, it's just a pause in their playoffs, and it's performative. It's not 
actually tied to any emotion or any ingenuity on how we can find some resolutions. Yeah, why do you think, I mean, there is such a stark contrast, you're absolutely right, between what the NBA has done, how they have handled this, and the NHL. And I don't mean just even the pause this week, but even when they return, return to play, and you look at what the Raptors have done, and they've taken such a uh, leadership position in this in Black Lives Matter. Uh, Why is it that the NHL is so slow off the mark, do you think, when it comes to social issues? And what do they need to do? What do they need to do better, Donovan, do you think, moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to say just the NHL, um, because I do think Gary Bettman and, and everyone in the league office in New York, and certainly Kim Davis, are well-intentioned, and, and they're trying. But I think it's more the sport and the culture of the sport and the culture of hockey. And, and if we look at the culture and how, how players are raised, it is very collective. When players give answers, they say we. Uh, you know, they're at a young age, leaving home and going to towns and billeting with other players. The phrases they use, pucks in deep, short shifts, it's always about the collective, so much so that when players walk into arenas, they all dress the same. They all kind of have the same beanie toques and, and coffee cups and trench coats. And there is an understanding that no one really is supposed to step outside of the group, the collective, that, that, that you always deflect back to everyone. And so I think culturally they really are uncomfortable making anyone in that group, anyone on either side of the aisle, uncomfortable, and they, they don't want to speak out. But this is the time that we all understand you have to take some risks. You have to be uncomfortable. You have to speak out. On the flip side, if you look at the culture where basketball players are raised in, you are an independent contractor from a young age. You'll leave your, your family and, and go across the country at a young age, just by yourself, knowing that you're always trying to obviously work in a team setting, but get a scholarship or, or be drafted or get a next, the next contract. And so you're, you're in a way tied to yourself. And what, what these NBA players have told us is they know that themselves, when they're not in arenas, when they're not wearing you know $1,000 suits like Masai Jury, they still are targets. They still are profiled. And they have brothers, sisters um, that, that they've lost due to, to violence, and specifically that have been uh, victims of police brutality. And so I think culturally, the, the way these two sports, one, um, really celebrates individuality and, and, and bringing your own authentic self and your culture to the game, and the other tells you to actually suppress your individuality and think collectively is why we see them so far on the opposite end of the spectrum on this issue. But that's also why the NBA has become, second to soccer, the sport of the world, as the world sees itself more so in its game than that being the case of hockey in the NHL. You know, Donovan, that is really insightful, what you just said there. And I want to explore that a little further because I've always heard, I mean, you cover sports uh, for a living. We just cover it casually here. But I've always heard that the NBA is kind of a player's league, that the players have more of a voice on what goes on in the league and that you're right, that they're willing to speak out. Uh, the NHL and what we saw yesterday with uh, Ryan Reeves and Nazem Kadri. do you think that this is maybe a turning point for the league, for the NHL and players, uh, hockey players finding their voice? Yeah, I'd hope so. I mean, I think some of it is just simple math, 
right, in, in scarcity. There, there are less NBA players on a team and in the league, and there are less players on the court at, at, at any one given time. And the star players, the LeBron Jameses, the Kawhi Leonards, uh, they wield more power than the average NHL player does just off of that math alone. So when there were rumors that the Lakers and the Clippers were saying we're not playing, we're leaving, people found that to be a real threat because there can be no playoffs without LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard. It wouldn't really truly be a test of who is the greatest. That's not the case in the same way in the NHL, where any team at any time can get hot when, when really it is about your depth and, and, and no individual player has that power. I, I, I hope it's turning point, not just because of what Naz Kadri and what, what Ryan Reeves said. I hope it's a turning point because we're having this conversation. I, I hope it's a turning point because the HGA, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, is putting real pressure on the league, but also giving them a roadmap of easy wins that they can do right away to make substantial change. That's why I hope it's a turning point, because I also love the sport. I, it just because I'm disappointed in it, it doesn't mean that I don't love it. In fact, I'm disappointed in it because I love it, and many black Canadians feel the exact same way, feel like they love the sport of hockey more than historically the sport of hockey has loved and welcomed then. And I want to see it thrive in our country. Really, my job at Sportsnet uh, is somewhat dependent on it thriving. And for the National Hockey League to thrive, it needs to be diverse, it needs to be inclusive, and this is one way that they can grow their audience base moving forward. Well, let me ask you this. If you were invited into Gary Bettman's uh, office, sat down with the uh, commissioner, what's the one piece of advice you would give him uh, moving forward on this? What is his sport? I guess what is sports in general, do you think, Donovan? What does sports need to do to keep this all-important conversation going? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if I had uh, you know a moment of Gary Bettman's ear, I would try more to talk to him about money than morals. And I would talk to less so his heartstrings, but more his purse strings. The reason the sport should be more inclusive, other than it's the right thing to do, is because the business case says it's the right thing to do. We know because of the tanning of, of North America, quite frankly, and the immigration patterns of our country, certainly, that the traditional family that sits down uh, and, and watches a hockey game and, and is grown up doing that is different. So you're going to have to reach and find new audiences, find new revenue streams, to be quite frank, with so much disruption and so much competition just to stay relevant. Just because hockey is our cultural norm historically doesn't mean that's always going to be the case. The Raptors is a great example of it. They have more mentions on social media than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, that seems sacrilegious religious, but Tim Lewicki warned us a couple years ago that soon basketball and the Raptors are going to be the biggest product in town. And, and this is an opportunity for the National Hockey League to stay relevant by saying we want everyone to feel included in our game, and we are going to work to make sure that everyone feels included in our society. The best Fortune 500 companies have come to that realization and are starting to try and do that. Our sports organizations need to do the same thing. Yeah, just finally, Donovan, I want to get your take on what this past week and really the last few months, uh, what do you think it has said about sports and its role in society and in our lives? You just mentioned the uh, Raptors, and they have taken such a leadership role just uh, from the moment they came back to the court with the Black Lives Matter bus and, of course, uh, the entire NBA with the personalized jerseys with the messages uh, on them. Uh, What does this say to you, uh, again, about the role that sports plays in our lives and its ability for sports and players to affect change. Yeah, I mean, sports is 
is unique in our culture because even more so than probably music and its genres, which are can be predictable, sports is this force multiplier, this agent of change that gets all different types of people from different walks of life, different demographics, different different countries, different lived experiences together uh, in in at the altar for, for, for the same thing. And if we can use that, if we can harness that, because our culture is so divisive, to maybe break down some of those barriers and have some real conversations like you and I are doing, hopefully that gets more shared understanding and gets us to, to a common place where both sides of the aisle feel good about resolutions. That's what we've seen sports do historically. But what's been fascinating is how rapid it's happened over the last couple months, my son is 16 months old. The things that I've seen in his lifetime, I would have never even expected to see in my lifetime. The fact that players are in uniform saying, we're not playing. And other athletes in other sports got wind of it and said, in solidarity, across lines, we are doing the same thing. The fact that literally Black Lives Matter is on a court and on a bus, uh, these are things that I never, ever thought uh, that I would see. And so I do believe that the momentum that we've seen um, and, and really the, the, the positive reception from many that we've seen uh, lets me know that we're going in the right direction and sports, once again, is playing a big, big part in that. Donovan, really appreciate what you've had to say here in the conversation. As we mentioned, the all-important conversation. Thanks for keeping it going with us here this afternoon. Well, thank you for having it. Well, cars and rush hour, they have never been an easy mix here in the city of Toronto. And it's felt for weeks like traffic is kind of back up to pre-pandemic levels, right? But is the car count up or is it just a lack of space out there? Toronto drivers have been taking to social media to voice their frustration with Active TO. Now, that's the initiative to close some major roads on the weekends to allow people to walk and bike safely. The thought being with the pandemic, we needed to make it as easy and as safe as possible for people to get out of their homes and enjoy some of the summer weather. Paula Fletcher is a Toronto City Councillor for Ward 14 on the Danforth and joins us now with more on this on Global News Radio. Paula, good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. All right. What have you been hearing about active TO? Is there frustration out there? You know, uh, you have to remember, we're still pretty well in this pandemic, waiting for a second wave. So these aren't normal times. And the city did develop a couple of really interesting programs to, as you said in your introduction, to deal with uh, the pandemic active TO. That's one of them, the Cafe TO, all those ta- uh, great patios out on the street and drive-in TO to be able to go to the movies. So this is one of those things that was developed, and it's many-faceted, actually, not just that closure on the lakeshore. Right, but there's uh, many roads that have been closed uh, on the weekend, and was it uh, too much uh, all at once? Is there the possibility that perhaps the city didn't strike the right balance between uh, cars, bikes, and pedestrians? I mean, that's it's kind of an age-old question, as you well know, that's been going on for some time now. <laughs> you know, that always depends on who you ask and what they're doing at the time. The uh, You know, we had these quiet streets that were set up, which was to be able to get people out in their neighborhoods and go safely, walk safely, bike safely, scooter safely around the neighborhood. And uh, everybody's written in. They say we want more of we want more of that. 
And we have now the bike lane that's going all the way across the city because people aren't taking transit as much anymore. It's a safe way to travel. And then these zones on the lake shore that are shut. So you, you hit the nail on the head so that families can have a place to go in summer and take the whole family out and bike along safely in these areas. I think it's basically the summer for that and it will be reviewed at the beginning of, uh, beginning of September. And then we'll see what happens after that. Okay, I wanted to ask you, I mean, accidents are obviously a fact of life. They happen every day uh, out there. Uh, we know that. As a matter of fact, we'll get a big, long list of them again in another 10 minutes with another update of Global News Traffic. Having yeah. said that, uh, one motorist uh, went to social media and said that he was in a 90-minute traffic jam on the Gardner at Jameson a couple of Saturdays ago. And just wondering, was there enough thought, do you think, given to alternate routes for drivers when there is a fender bender out there? Well, that that's an interesting question. I think we've all been stuck on the 400. I think we've all been stuck places where you certainly have waited a half hour, a good hour for fender benders. But the fact is uh, people that are involved in the fender benders are not driving very well under those circumstances. You know, pretty straight road to have a fender bender um, on, on the gardener. So I'm sorry that's happening. But everyone, is, I, I think they need to keep their COVID chill. We're still in the throes of it, the wind-down part, but all the things we've put in place that have been working so well for social distancing, for getting people out, for being able to be active and out of your house. Remember those early days when you were told not even to leave your house, and now people can go out, but you do need some space. So we've used those roads. And I'm sure everybody's reviewing it based on lots of feedback from social media. Yeah, but is that part of the planning, do you know, Paula, when we figure these sorts of things out, like active TO? Again, accidents are a fact of life and that, you know, we probably uh, can look at, uh, I don't know, maps or heat scans, if you will, of the gardener and know where the likely accident places are and where they're going to happen for a couple of months and whether or not there has been some thought given to a relief, uh, you know, because there are drivers that are, you know, unwittingly caught in these long delays now through no fault of their own they're driving safely but it was somebody else and now all of a sudden they're literally trapped and they got nowhere to go yeah it, it is the weekend you know it's the weekends only and um you might decide to go on the queensway bypass the whole thing rather than go on the gardener i think everybody does know it's weekends maybe the signs should be a bit better it's not during the week it's not during rush hour there are no games on that i know of at the moment so there aren't a lot of people coming in for that and it is, you know, these things are being watched and calibrated all the time. Uh, what are traffic counts up to? How many people are on the lake shore? But it is the age-old, the age-old thing. Is um, there's going to be accidents? You're right. Can they get cleared? I'm sure they can. Is it dangerous? I doubt we'd be doing it if it was dangerous. But uh, that Jameson exit—that's a long difficult exit. Everybody who goes in the garden will say that's one of the most difficult ones and it backs up even norm during normal times. Yeah. Also on social media, speaking of dangerous, are videos of motorists who've got fed up and they're actually making really dangerous U-turns. As a matter of fact, there's uh, one video of drivers driving west in the eastbound gardener lanes. Wow. And I'm wondering, yeah, are road closures, do you think, to blame for that or is that irresponsible driving? Well, uh, I would have to say irresponsible. 
driving unless you have somebody who's pregnant and going to be delivering a baby in the front seat of your car. You should not be doing that. And they know that. So that's just frustration. It's uh, nobody, they've lost their COVID chill. Uh, COVID's still around. And we have a lot of these programs that we are still trying to make sure everybody has something to do. So somebody like that should probably go on a different street and not be, that's dangerous driving, period, full stop. I want to ask you, too, there's been some complaints about uh, Active TO uh, not being cancelled when weather didn't permit for outdoor activity. I mean, if there were heavy thunderstorms and uh, rain and there weren't going to be a lot of folks out and about, uh, you know, taking advantage of uh, biking, cycling lanes and uh, out for walks or, or hikes, should the uh, program have been weather dependent? I'm not sure that's that easy to do um, to because everything's set in place already. I, this is partly um, everybody getting used to what will be the new normal. There will be more access for cycling, for pedestrians, for many other types of travel outside of cars. And people that drive are going to get used to that. And it is hard to get used to it if that's all you do, because you're assuming the road is only for you. And the complete street says, well, the road's for everybody who's using it. So it, it's kind of a new place to go. I'm sure that 99% of Torontonians and others coming into the city can get ready for that. And um, that will be successful. But it's a learning curve. It's a growth. I don't know if you should be canceling things because now somebody's already got the barricades up and someone has to go out and get It's logistically very difficult to simply cancel things like that. All right, just finally, this is the final weekend uh, for Active TO. The program was only to go till uh, September. As you just mentioned, COVID is going to be around a lot longer than just next uh, month. Is there the possibility that Active TO might be extended? You know, I, I don't have a crystal ball or tea leaves, but I, I will say that um, we'll see how many pieces of Active TO are going to be extended. But I want everybody to think about one thing. I think I've been stuck for over an hour leaving the X, leaving the X after a show. Um, so that, that entrance that we're talking about, that little zone we're talking about, which gets so congested, right now, for the last number of days, it would be incredibly congested as well. Think about that. There's no X. That would be a whole different story if we had the X and we were trying to move all these people around and have the road closed. I don't think that would work. But All right. remember that? I remember that. I was stuck there for a long time trying to get out. Yeah, from the absolutely. And I think a lot of people, considering what we've gone through uh, this year, uh, kind of look back fondly on those uh, times and uh, how we took them yeah. for granted, being able to gather the way we did at the X and at concerts down at the waterfront. Paula, thank absolutely. you so much uh, for the time. Really appreciate well, it this afternoon. Thank you for your interest. That was great. And thanks, everybody, for driving safely and sharing the road.